want to note by way of, I don't know, sort of minor apology that in the past few months, yours truly has been just overwhelmed with a few things. This diverted more energy than I would have liked from the effort to, to put this program together. I say that because I've been meaning to bring some guests on the show that it just I haven't taken the extra time and energy to bring on. One of those I hope will be State Senator Lois Wolk from Davis. She wrote a piece uh, in the Viewpoint for the Sacramento Bee on the 28th titled The Delta Can't Be Restored on a Wink and a Promise that I think requires talking to Senator Wolk herself. It was a good piece and shows that uh, Senator Wolk is asking the right questions about this effort to send more water south. Senator Wolk's comments apparently evoked a letter to the Sacramento Bee, which I think I will read from. This letter was from, let's just call him C.E., when Senator Lois Wolk took on the governor over the latest Delta plan, she inadvertently provided a glimpse into the tactics of environmental extremism. Gotta admit, that's a pretty punchy opening. Here's a meeting I have to ask, why is it they're always environmental extremists when they want to make good points about uh, things going on? Well, anyway, as regards these tactics of environmental extremism... CE says, claim to have the only true vision for the Delta and put everyone else on notice that any statement that does not receive your approval is heresy. And by the way, no one will ever receive your approval. Meanwhile, scientists, engineers, farmers, water managers, and yes, environmentalists work hard to develop the sixth draft of the Delta plan, but it is dismissed by Wolf because it has a different vision for the Delta. Not only that, Senator Wolf, get off of my lawn! C.E. continues, what's a Californian to do if Wolk forces me to choose between her inflexible and narrow fantasy of, of environmental perfectionism or the plan forged by the diverse voices from across the state of California? I choose California. The writer, we would like to note, comes from Palm Springs, a quasi-retirement community located out in the Mojave Desert. A community which, like most desert communities, could not exist were it not for the water, A, found there in springs, or B, imported from elsewhere. In the case of Palm Springs, like most of Southern California, the elsewhere these days more and more is our California Delta. And we talked in this program about a trip down to the Palm Springs area last February, at which time we reported on the astonishing ecological disaster of the Salton Sea. And I would note that in the very same edition of the Sacramento Bee, in this case it was August 2nd, wherein we find this letter from CE, there was on page 3 the following article. Beneath a picture of an abandoned sofa 
halfway immersed along the seashore with, with, by the way, graffiti sprayed on it. We have this piece by Jennifer Medina of the New York Times. Headline, A Dream for the Salton Sea. Subheadline, Officials Approve Plans for a Town of 40,000 Beside the Increasingly Salty, comma, Shrinking Lake. To excerpt from the piece. Signs of once grandiose dreams dot the shoreline of the Salton Sea, dried up like the dead fish that bob ashore from time to time. We wouldn't say from time to time. We'd say the shore is littered with dead fish. We've been there. This lake, the largest in California, was once supposed to be the Riviera of the West, a playground for stars like Frank Sinatra, Jerry Lewis, and Desi Arnaz. But the Salton Sea, created by accident 40 miles south of Palm Springs, has been shrinking for decades now. While the saline content continues to rise, it is roughly 50% salt on the Pacific Ocean, waterfront homes built more than a generation ago sit abandoned and boarded up on a labyrinth of streets where only a couple of homes on each block are occupied. Yes, this is an accurate portrayal of the town's Long Salton Sea. What better place to put a new community of 40,000 people? No, we have no way of knowing whether CE of Palm Springs has a hand in this, this marvelous plan they're cooking up. But stay tuned. Some real estate developers do. Ms. Medina goes on in the piece. California does not give up easily on its dreams. So... Yet another ambitious development is poised to rise beside this vanishing sea. Government officials have approved plans for a town that would eventually grow to nearly 40,000 people, with enough businesses and jobs to support the residents. Ha! We say. Supporters of the project say it is the most sustainable development being planned in the state. But the town, known as Travertine Point, would be more than 20 miles from any existing town. In many ways, the project is a sign of the state's insatiable appetite for development. Even in Riverside County, east of Los Angeles, which has struggled through the building bust and foreclosure crisis, this might be among the most unlikely places in the county to contemplate a super development. But officials are unabashed in their enthusiasm and say the optimism is firmly grounded in reality. I gotta say, for some reason, the idea that this project is firmly grounded in reality might, reminds me of that scene in Repo Man, <laughs> when the goofy old guy is keeping warm by feeding a fire with clothes and expounding on his theory that flying saucers are actually, in fact, time machines. Otto, the Emilio Estevez character, asks him, did, uh, did you drop a lot of acid back in the hippie days? Which, frankly, I think might be a question for... John Benoit, the Riverside County Supervisor who represents the Salton Sea area and has pushed for this project's approval. Saying, and I quote, Recreational bodies of water don't stay unoccupied forever. You can either take development piecemeal as it comes, or you can invest in something that's really taken the long-term view of creating comprehensive, unprecedented development. Now, you know, as regards recreational bodies of water, I would point out, that to my traveling companion, Sharon, and I, upon taking a look at the Salton Sea, independently concluded that if we were on a boat and the motor conked out and we were out in the middle of that ocean, we would die of exposure rather than risk swimming to shore. If, if this is not the most fetid body of water I've ever seen, well, I, well I, I, I'm hard-pressed to think of one that's worse. 
But the piece notes environmental activists have cried foul. They're filing a lawsuit in state court claiming the project will irreparably harm natural resources in the area. No, I don't know what natural resources they're referring to. But the piece says more than that, they say the idea is just plain absurd, to which we say, hear, hear. Peace quotes Adam Keats, a staff lawyer for the Center for Biological Diversity, as saying it's one of the greatest examples of dumb growth you could possibly conjure up. Adding it's located very far from the rest of civilization in a place that's very difficult to live in. The notion that this could be a Shangri-La is something we should have given up a long time ago. But the developers, described as Federated Insurance, based in Milwaukee, dismissed such criticism as misplaced and unimaginative. Why, their plans call for 16,000 homes and 5 million square feet of commercial space, along with parks lining streets with low speed limits. Peter Quill, who is managing the project, argues that this is the most sustainable project that has ever been built in the area. Well, yeah. Since it appears nothing else in the area has been sustained, that might be true. He said, we're not just talking about putting up a bunch of houses and walking away. And to quote from the article, the streets are designed to be walkable, even in triple-digit temperatures here. Quill said people are willing to step outside in the morning and evening. There are plans for affordable housing as well as high-priced, sprawling homes that will be marketed to executives who work in the geothermal industry just to the south. Developers acknowledge it'll be decades before the plans are completed and say they do not intend to break ground for at least three years when they hope the housing market and local economy are showing signs of improvement. But, and this may be the punchline of the piece, they say they need approval as soon as they can get them so that the land's value will increase. Yes, real estate speculation, the engine that has driven the California economy for about a century and a half, I think. The piece noted that although Quill has lived in the area for more than 20 years, his first time in the lake was last year when a friend took him kayaking. I'm sure his friend didn't take him swimming. Said Quill, we have mountain views, we have sea views. Yeah, I'm sure if you look, <laughs> if you look outside the kayak and look down, I guess you can count that as a sea view. It's, it's the Salton Sea. All kinds of access to walking and hiking and biking and off-roading. Sure, there are roads leading, <laughs> leading away from the Salton Sea in all directions, along with hiking trails. Although Quill says there are so many things that are going to attract people here, the piece notes that but whether the sea will even exist in a decade remains in question. Under a water transfer agreement approved by the state, water from nearby agricultural developments will stop flowing in by 2018 which means the shores, which now shrink by seven inches a year, will recede more quickly and dust levels in the area will rise. Yes, what's supporting the lake right now, if you want to call it supporting, is agricultural runoff filled with toxins and pesticides and minerals, which is why year after year the water quality does not improve. In fact, the Imperial Irrigation District is asking the state of California for permission to allow it to stop sending water to the sea even sooner. Quill, and have to admire this man's optimism, says the project could go ahead even if the Salton Sea were never restored. <laughs> the plans include drawings for a marina. Peace notes that beside the handful of imagined docks are images of boats, windsurfers, and a lighthouse. Quill is starting a business group to raise money for the restoration of the area, which will ideally include a recreation area at the north end. Yeah, we've discussed this before. We're not sure how you could possibly restore this area without 
Lots and lots and lots of good, clean, fresh water. Anyway, I've only got a couple minutes left. I'm sorry to take the whole uh, segment into this one piece, but I think this is worth a digression. This kind of craziness needs to be addressed. The piece concludes by noting that right now, the only kind of fish surviving in the water are tilapia, which normally live in freshwater, but can be found in abundance here. On some days when the heat reaches beyond 110, it's possible to smell them from outside the water. But it concludes, none of this is enough to bother the hearty souls who live here or visit regularly. They quote a Liz Ricci who said, those are good eating fish. Apparently her family's been coming to the area since the 1960s. And she, her final quote is, the saddest thing is that the sea hasn't changed. It's gotten saltier, but you only know it if you have your chemistry set. No, no, as we quoted from uh, Sharon, who water skied on that lake back in the 1980s. She couldn't believe in retrospect that looking at what it looks like now, that was even possible as late as 1986. It's certainly not possible now. I mean, you know, unless you want to put on a hazmat suit. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is what we're up against. People want to continue the old way of making money in California, which is buy a piece of land, slap something up on it, and sell people on the California climate. But at this point in time, there's 20 million people in Southern California with enough water to support 1 million people. If the climate gets drier, as California is likely to do, given climate change, there's going to be major problems. Now, if you want to, uh, if you want to continue real estate development and keep building more houses out in Moreno Valley, you're just going to have to steal more, more water from the north. And to do that, you're going to have to stick bigger siphons in the delta, and you're going to have to destroy the environment there for fish and farmers for the benefit of Southern California real estate developers. There's really just no other way to put it. So to make a long story short, we need to bring Lois Wolk on this program, who, by the way, does not necessarily share any of the opinions I've just thrown out at you. But uh, she certainly has been a watchdog for the Delta, and we want to talk to her about that, and hopefully we'll do so in the weeks to come. But we're out of time. Anyway, you've been listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. This is fun talking about some science stuff today on next week's program. We may bring back our old pal Sean Minton to talk about what happened at the Olympics. A lot has happened. And we're going to have to give credit where credit is due and, and assign some blame where it, where it is also due. So we'll hopefully do that next week. We'll see you then. I'm on the edge of an empty highway Howling at the blood on the moon A diesel Mac cup rolling down my way I can't hit that border too soon It was 60 days on the good line Hail at my back like a shotgun blast High wind chimes in the night Oh, oh, pride of Cucamonga Oh, oh, bread of olives in the sun Oh, oh, I have me some loving And I don't sometimes Since I came down from Oregon, there's a lesson or two I've learned By standing in the road alone, standing watching the fires burn The northern sky, it stinks with greed, you can 
the Greystone Hotel, a sudden doing that get on down. 